I'm Aaron Hayden, and this is Dragon Hearts. Well, welcome to Dragon Heart. I am joined by myself, which I, I'm glad I am joined by myself. That's Jay Long. <laughs> I am Mark Griffiths and Bill Long. How are you both? Not bad. Not bad. Excited about the draw. We could well, get Gillingham away. Oh, <laughs> or, or Chesterfield away. Imagine that. Imagine that, the third round, and we get a team from our league. That would be typical, wouldn't it? I guess we should emphasise that we're we're here now before the draw is made on Monday, recording the show. We're going to do our live reaction to it so you can get a taste of the joys and the horrors of the cup draws. So, you know, that's why you might be confused now, thinking, why are they joking about getting Gillingham away? We did get Gillingham away. <laughs> <laughs> we are so going to get Mystic. Gillingham away. Oh, no. Don't say that. Mystic Sorry. Mark Griffiths at it again. But yeah, we've got plenty of things to talk about. You know, Welsh Wrexham fans really did need to pick me up on Saturday. And Wrexham fans, and Wrexham certainly did that on an impressive 4-1 win. So after this, we're going to be talking about that. I'm Harry Lennon and this is Dragon Heart. Well, Farnborough, second round of the FA Cup. It was a really important tie to win, wasn't it, Mark? And I think the scoreline flattened us. Um, by the end, I guess. So, yeah. I, I mean, I thought Farnborough were excellent. In fact, I would say that the only two teams that have come to the race course this season and actually looked like they could come away with something were the two teams from the lower division. Blythe Spartans threw the kitchen sink at us and we had to hang on at the end. And Farnborough, I thought, were admirable. They finished the first half really strongly. They came back at us well in the second half when we looked like we finally got control of it. Um, I, I, I was really impressed with them. But I, I think our class did tell in the end. And, and the better team did win. But Farnborough... You know, hats off to them. I, I thought their their application, their approach, I think they caught us out by starting with three at the back. Uh, and their pressing was quite clever, leaving three up and then a bit of a gap to their de- deep uh, de- line defence. But they managed to cope with that. That could have been a... When I first saw that, my eyes lit up. I thought, yeah, get past these three and we get rid of them. But it really worked well to slow us down. So I thought they, they were... I expect them to be tough. And they were better than, I think, any National League team has come to the race course this season, personally. Ooh, wow. That's a bold claim. Bill, would you agree? As a, as you went to the game, unfortunately, I couldn't make this one. I had, I had little glimpses of it between wrestling my one-year-old son. Uh... Was it on pay-per-view? <laughs> it, it was. <laughs> uh, and he would have beat me, beat me quite comfortably, I think, old Wesley. Anyway, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> Bill, um, do you see this? See it the same as Mark? Do you think they were the toughest test at home in some regard this season? Um, I, it's it's. I maybe wouldn't say they're the toughest, but it's hard to think of many that were tougher. I know that's kind of like me agreeing and not agreeing at the same time. Man, it. Where's the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, did, did you ever feel Barnett were going to get something off us, or just they were giving us a fright? They were always like two goals down, weren't they? Farnborough mm. had the feeling they could they, when they equalised, they could come at us and do something. Cool. Yeah. If Howard hadn't made that save, you know, when it was one-one, about fifteen minutes left, we were in trouble. 
I, 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 I was sorry, Boncho. See, I think Blythe give us a bit more of a tougher task because yeah, yeah. you know, the second half performance against us was a lot more convincing than Farnborough's. In some in some regard, I think Blythe were more scary. But again, as you said, you, you, you'd agree with me with that one as well. So, yeah. yeah. I, I think Barnet was a weird game, uh, a bit like the Dover game, but, mm. but not quite like the Dover game. Uh, it was just one of those days that we sort of produce every now and again. Blythe was like, a, we didn't seem in trouble until they had a bit of a whirlwind moment at the start of the second half, and that kind of changed things a little bit. Were we, were we 3-0 up at half-time? Or I can't remember exactly how that went. But it was Blythe was 3-0, there, was yeah. And then they came back as 3-0. And then they came back, yeah. So, yeah. But th- this was the game where a team for at least 60, 70 minutes looked consistently to match us. And I yeah. think you're right. I think that save to stop them from scoring a second ultimately turned the tie. But it was also very much like uh, a, a lot of teams when when they're playing lower league opposition, where the lower league opposition look fantastic for seventy minutes and run out of steam. And I think that I think it'd be fair to say that's what happened. We, once that second goal went in, their heads went down, and that that was the end of the tie, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it certainly was. And we've got to talk about Paul Mullen, haven't we? When we talk about and Elliot Lee, when we talk about this game, because. Mark, them two were really excellent, weren't they? And it just shows that they are that, you know, that level ahead of teams like Farnborough. They're not going to be able to cope with people, like, uh, players like Paul Mullen and Elliot Lee. Oh, Mullen was absolutely superb. And, you know, it's not just his finishing, but his, his quick decision-making in the box. Uh, and not only that, but, I mean, he, he, he's also, you get so used to him being brilliant that, you know, we, in the commentary, we named Elliot Lee as man of the match. Because I think he almost take Mullins' match-winning capabilities for granted. For a long time, we had no player like that, did we? But uh, Lee was superb. He was creative. He worked ever so hard. Uh, brilliant goal. And, and Mullin, oh. well, Billy's just class. I mean, uh, unreal. I think he, he was. He was just on. He's on fire, wasn't he? And I don't think they could cope with him in those last fifteen minutes when the when the legs have have gone and he's still got that energy and, and intelligence to be able to create and move the way he does it's there's there's not many teams in the league above us that would be able to keep you know to be capable of dealing with him on on a on his day so you know we're we're very lucky to have him and onwards and upwards you know it's it's a it was it was a tough tough game I think you're right Mark it was a really tough game and and I was I was at 70 odd minutes I was very nervous I didn't want a a replay I almost wanted them to score I'd rather have I'd rather have not had the replay I know it's a bit of a weird thing but Obviously, you always want to be in the hat, but just the, if we're going to get fixture congestion, I'd rather have fixture congestion because we're playing and winning rather than having a load of replays and just getting caught up in that sort of scenario. Yeah, exactly. We're going to have to have fixture congestion if we're going to beat Man City, Liverpool, United and Arsenal and win the FA Cup, aren't we? Uh, the, the... And our reserve team wins the FA Trophy too. Well, of course. I, it was quite strange up there. Um, there were a, a couple of guys from Talk Sport who were a little bit peculiar. And I'm not going to say any more than that. Uh, <laughs> well, I might. Who knows? Um, but one of them, I was after the game, you say, who do you want in the next round? Well, he wasn't saying. He was telling me who I want in the next round, which pushes my buttons, to be honest. Um, and then, so I was basically saying... Um, I don't mind as long as we win the whole thing. 
Uh, you know, you got to beat the good teams if you're going to win the FA Cup anyway. And he was taking me seriously, it seemed. And he kept sort of like, <laughs> like trying to talk down to me as if he really, you know, I was this like naive forest gump who thought that Wrexham are winning the FA Cup this year because we were bought by Hollywood people. And I thought, well, I mean, the only right thing I can do then is uh, carry on. So I kept saying, yeah, well, I just don't want us to win it. Oh, oh easy draw. So we could, you don't have to beat City till, say, the quarterfinals and things like that. And he was really bemused by me. <laughs> hey, the balls are out. Oh, here we go. He tipped into what Bill, quite rightly loving tradition, calls the hat, but which is actually a very odd plastic receptacle. It looks like a sort of um, urinal from the future. We're number 46. Who's doing the draw? It is Mark Rice and Rachel Brown Finnis, who played for Everton when they won the Cup. Because uh, she's taken over from uh, Manesh Bashir, it seems. She's, she's, she's folding the bag very carefully and saying, I'll give it a mix. It'll become Mark Rice. Just, just 30. Some... Press the North End. No. The, the thing well, is, everybody's going to be listening to this and it's going to be so anticlimactic when they find out like our reactions. And... Yeah, just get well, uh, out of context. Field, hold on. Mark Griffiths is, is the draw for me and Bill right now. <laughs> Middlesbrough, don't want a Middlesbrough. No, now they got a big team. Brighton, Middlesbrough, Brighton. The stripy derby. Clash of the Titans. 61, Chesterfield, Jay. Oh, no, please don't. Our own two. <gasps> 41, that's not us, West Brom. Oh, oh, that's, oh that's... we're 46, aren't we? She was holding yeah. it up. I can see them the first numbers are four. 23, it's David Beckham. No, it's Man City. Do you want that? Yeah, go on. Have a bit of that. No. <laughs> no. Chelsea! <laughs> Man City, Chelsea. Oh. Two of the big boys knocking each other out. Yeah. 56. Charlton Athletic or Stockport County. Oh, no. No, please not. 63, Walsall. Oh, we don't oh. get the Dean Keats derby. <laughs> 57, Boreham Woods. Oh, no, no, please don't. Oh, 47, one off us. <laughs> Boreham Woods against <laughs> and Stanley. We don't get the revenge of Mackinson Stanley for when they made us this, play there at night with no floodlights. This is more of a roller coaster than actually watching it, Mark. 39, Spurs. Spurs oh, away. Come on. Everyone's yeah. been saying Spurs away to me today. Sat new ground, isn't it? Portsmouth. Oh. We're still in it. We're still in the cup. 64 Derby County. Uh, that, no, I've, been, I've been there. 50 Barnsley. I wanted to go there and make him pay for getting Dennis Smith the sack. 11 Cardiff away. No, oh, yeah. No, yes. no. No, it isn't anyway. Leeds oh. United. Oh my goodness! Lock up your doors. Oh, <laughs> Those poor policemen and women. Number seven's Brentford. Ah, uh, we've been there. Forty-two West Ham. We're steam. Oh, we could have gone to Brentford and relived the Brighton season. It's going to be Gillingham, isn't it? Number one, Bournemouth or Bournemouth away. Hmm. <laughs> 10, Burnley. Oh, that's bound to be on telly. That's a big game. <laughs> Vincent Company on the beach. 
13, Coventry. Oh. Oh, home. Us. We're away for Coventry. 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 The Ponticelli oh. Derby. Ponticelli oh, Derby. Derby. <laughs> brilliant. Uh, so Coventry are like midway up the championship, aren't they? Yeah, it's well, they, they got some good players. Just yeah. that Callum O'Hare play for him, he's good. Yeah, but it's close, it's a good, good ground. A ground I've not been to, they're a big club. Where are they playing now, though? Because they don't they do even know where they'll play that game. They've got all sorts of problems, haven't they? With that, a Bellevue, a Bellevue, yeah, sticking in Bellevue Park, yeah, Bellevue Butchers on the away end. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit anticlimactic, but but it's game... a, it's virtually a bye to the fourth round, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> it's it's not awful. Oh yeah, the tone in your voice then was it's awful. <laughs> Oxford have got Arsenal. Boo. It it's it's let's see where Coventry are in the league. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not boring. It's not wood, is it? Sorry? It's not boring wood, is it? That's that's the you know True. a Gillingham or someone you know. Yeah. It's, but, a cha- it's a championship team, a, a traditional big team as well. In fairness to them. Yeah. Uh, I, I I'll take that over a lot of the the grounds we could have been visiting. It's, it it's not too far away as well. To be fair, mm. it's quite close. It's the Ponticelli Derby. It is. Yeah. It's um, yeah, be, be hard to get tickets for that. Yeah, that's true. I, I would say though, um, please don't watch the draw again on iPlayer because there's a terrifying pair of leather pants that will put you off. I know life, really, to be honest. In Mark the future, Wright's not wearing them, is he? Uh, no, no, and neither is old Rachel Finnis Brown. She is wearing a pair of sort of I was going to say sham leather, but then you might have thought it was chamois leather when she was doing the windows. Um, <laughs> sort of faux leather pants, but they, they're all right. But there's a pair in the crowd that are, are, are quite a frightening sight, to be honest with you. <laughs> I should say the subject, shouldn't they? Um, so they're, they're 11th Coventry, at, but they have a couple yeah. of games in hand over a lot of the teams. So, I mean, that's um, they're in all right form, but it's not until January, is it? So, but Mark, to, to, just to you know, let's talk about for people who may not know much about Coventry, me included. They are one of the more traditionally bigger-ish clubs, especially in the Midlands, aren't they, really? Yeah, I mean, through the sort of late 70s, all through the 80s, they were always in the top division and they were always doing well. Uh, but once they got relegated, they had financial issues. And I've, I've gotten really into the mire. They're pulling themselves back together on the pitch. They've still got major problems off the pitch. Uh, one of which is, like you said, their, their venue where they, they've been renting grounds. They had to play in Northampton for a bit. They had to rent their own grounds because they sold their owners, took the ground. Um, so they are in a bit of a mess off the pitch. But like I said, they've got tradition. Their old ground was the first ever all-season stadium in Britain, Highfield Road. And that was the last time we played them, was the, I'm going to say, yeah, 93-94 season. So after we got promoted, uh, we played them, oh, was it that season? Or maybe the season after? We drew them in the League Cup. And we, oh gosh, you know what I'm trying to remember. I remember we lost by one goal, I think, theirs. 
or two goals. Was it drew at home and then lost 3-1 there, something like that. I remember it being a very metallic ground. I don't know why. <laughs> it was very shiny. And Jonathan Cross scored a nice goal for us, but we lost. Um, the other thing I'm going to say, okay, we want a narrative here, don't we? Well, how about the Jimmy Hill derby? Because Dar- Coventry says he their, their glory days came to a great extent through Jimmy Hill, who was the famous TV presenter, of course, on Match of the Day. He was a huge figure at Coventry and brought in a lot of sort of innovative ideas for the 70s, and people saw them as like a very modern club. Uh, but then, can Wrexham fans forgive him for what happened after the 1992 victory over Arsenal? Where afterwards, it was quite, it was quite funny, actually, after the, they showed the game on Match of the Day, and then Des Lynham was introduced, was was hosting it, the classic Match of the Day presenter, and he ended up sort of scolding Trevor, um, not Trevor Brookings, so Jimmy Hill, uh, because he got a tenor out, Jimmy Hill. He, he was moaning all the time and saying, oh, well, you know, the free kick wasn't a foul and Arsenal had a disallowed goal. I don't know why that was disallowed. And he's really sort of moaning about us winning. And, and Des Lynham, I say, sort of admonished him sort of like, this is the glory of the cup, that Wrexham can beat Arsenal. Why are you so negative about it? And um, he, he, like I said, got 10 quid out, put it on the table. And he said, I had Arsenal in the in the, the office sweep. And he was just annoyed because of that. And so his whole post-match uh, analysis revolved around that. So, of course, as we know, Mickey Thomas at that time got into trouble over counterfeiting money. And so... It then circulated. Wrexham fans had sent Jimmy Hill compensation, a £10 note of Mickey Thomas on instead of the Queen, <laughs> <laughs> which was great. And we actually did get some revenge on him that season because we he was then owner of Fulham. And we drew them away in the LDV vans. And, I mean, it should emphasise just how remarkable that run was against Arsenal and West Ham. We hadn't run away in, I can't remember, if it was just over a year. So that draw at West Ham was incredible. Um, but but we won at Fulham 2-0. John Paskin scored them both. Um, and that was quite funny that to get your revenge. So again, small, small knot of Wrexham fans in the away end at Fulham in a tiny crowd midweek with their Mickey Thomas £10 notes. Um, but yeah, we, we got our first away win in about a year at Jimmy Hill's expense. Um, he's not around anymore, so I suppose really what whatever we do at Coventry is not gonna make that much difference to him, but nonetheless. <laughs> Uh, still going to motivate me. Still going to motivate me, I'm telling you guys. <laughs> so, so, the Ponticelli derby, are we going to name it that one or are we going to name it the Marks? Ponticelli. I like Ponticelli. Ponticelli. Yeah. yeah, I like Ponticelli. The specials derby. The specials versus the Declan Swat. Are you both so young that you don't... No, I know. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I was just trying to. I was trying to figure out what the specials connection to Wrexham was. That's all. I was like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Specials yeah. versus Declan Swans. I don't know. Yeah, no, we'll have that. Yeah. Declan Swans will win any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and that's the third round tie. Coventry away from home. If if they do have a ground to play at, there is a lot of. Um, things going on there that I don't really know much about, and maybe. Maybe we should get a Coventry fan on the podcast to explain to explain it better to us. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, uh, it's let, let's be quite honest. It's not the world's most exciting tie, but it's also more winnable than a Premier League side as well. So 
Yeah. And Mark, ne- Mark, next time, make sure you wear the, the same colour red that Liverpool or United are wearing because you're wearing sky blue and we're playing the sky blues in the oh, next round. Wow. So. Yeah. Well, I wore my sky blue shirts because it's my Carl Connolly Chester City one, which, uh, you know, sort of <laughs> the to be beat Chester City in the FA Cup. So that was my logic. However, I mean, I nearly got us Man City in that case. Wear it next time then. There you go. I just want to see Aaron Hayden having all Erling Haaland in his pocket, you see. <laughs> yeah, so who, who doesn't want to see that? I just want to see Ben Tozer throwing a goal. Yeah. See, I wanted, see, I, I wanted um, Anfield because I think a Ben Tozer throw at the cop end meeting an Aaron Hayden head would be something magnificent, wouldn't it? Iconic. But we, but we haven't got it. But we've. It's, yeah. it's, to me, it's a more winnable game. And yeah, yeah. I'm sure we're all going to do more research on Coventry. All Wrexham fans are going to be doing more research on Coventry in the next few weeks. And then they'll pick Find their reserves. Yeah, and then they'll pick their... Well, they might not. They might want to go with it as well. Yeah. So we, we will certainly see. They also had... Dion Dublin as a striker, didn't they? My favourite uh, um, property <laughs> developing TV host um, <laughs> of all time. So, oh, that's, that's I, I, and it, Dion Dublin was in Wrexham quite recently, actually. Was he? Yeah, he's pouring pints in Hill Street in town. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, was he? he was. Yeah. He, I, I thought I noticed him being surprised at my house of the staircase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stairs leading up to the bedroom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Robbie, and Robbie Savage was from Wrexham, so that's a link there. Why? What's he going to do Coventry? Dion Dublin headbutted, played for Coventry, and he headbutted Robbie Savage. And Robbie Savage. <laughs> Does DNA count as, as as the link here? You know, took a bit of Robbie Savage's DNA into his head or whatever. It, yeah, yeah, that, that could be the case, couldn't it? But Leon Dublin yeah. spoils the opening game of the World Cup with his bizarre co-commentary. <laughs> but uh, uh, until the point where it became such a beautiful thing on Twitter, where people were just writing down verbatim what he was saying, things like, "Oh, if he'd have got a touch on that, he definitely would have scored." And then looking on the replay, he got a good touch on that, but he missed. Or <laughs> one player broke down, and he goes. Oh, obviously, it's his ankle, that is. Or it might be his calf, or it might be his hamstring. <laughs> and they were just writing this verbatim while he was saying. And then I, that was the point <laughs> where I realised he'd made that game. <laughs> Even but, more than Mark McEwen's amazing attempts to say any non-British player's name. Moderich oh, oh, yeah. is the closest he gets. Moderich. <laughs> Mark, I was going to say, be careful what you say about Dion Dublin, because he may be commentating on that game. <laughs> Bring it on, Dion. Bring it on. <laughs> Be the second Rex Mill headbutt. Um... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, final thoughts on that uh, thrilling third round tie, Bill. Um, I can't wait to taste the pies in Coventry. Sky Blue Burger. Sky Blue Burger, yeah. <laughs> it's not. Mark- it's good, it's good. I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> God, I'm sounding like Chain now. 
I'm thrilled. I'm so thrilled I can't stop crying. Um, it's a real chance for us to measure ourselves and see what we actually are as well, isn't it? Um, I'd love to run at home. I think we, we yeah, anyone yeah. coming to the race course at the moment would have to be a bit wary. But um, it's a chance for us to see exactly what we are, measure ourselves against the championship qualities of team and a, and a decent one as well. So I'm trying to hold the tears back, but... <laughs> I, ca- I can't imagine it's going to be on UK TV. No. Will it? Looking at some of the other... see, maybe. Yeah. And yeah. internationally, if they're picking things up, but now now some of the big boys are in, wherever we'll get picked up. You yeah. know, when City and Chelsea are playing each other, it's difficult to see. It might, it might not be what most football fans want, but the two, when two Premier League teams do face each other, they tend to, tend to get picked that game, doesn't it? Especially <laughs> two big teams like City and Chelsea. Yeah, and I didn't re- look at the rest of the draw. There might be even a bigger, you know... There's Liverpool you know, Wolves was an all-prime one well, as well. Uh, Ch- Chesterfield-West Brom, I think, is more likely to be picked up than us just because yeah. Chesterfield are at home, aren't they? And they do tend to favour the smaller teams when they're at home rather than when they're away. Understandably, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame because I think we were a strong bet to be a televised team in the UK if we didn't get an away game like this, I think. I think us at home to a, d- a strong team was liable to be shown. I think us away to a strong team might have had a possibility. Coventry, I'm not saying not strong, but it doesn't quite have that glamour, does it? Although they did, you know, Coventry are associated with the FA Cup, as Che was alluding to before. They won the Cup in 1987, one of the absolute classic Cup finals when they beat Spurs 3-2. It was a fa- fabulous game. So, you know, they do have that, Coven- that you know, that sort of link in that respect, but they were traditional Division One side, weren't they? For yeah. Premier League, played in the Premier League. They're a really big club, mm. and they are a bit of a sleeping giant. And you know, there's there's been a lot smaller clubs who've played in the Premier League in recent years than Coventry. So, yeah. it, it, unfortunately, the TV schedules don't sort of see it like that, really, do they? They just kind of go for. Well, but that's that. It makes know. sense, that doesn't it? They, they care about viewers, don't they? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. and that's just that's just the way it is. We'll have no, to watch we... out that we don't that we could get moved, even though we're not on British TV. Um, you know, say S4C want to show it or ESPN want to show it, but obviously they also want to show the big games, so they might shift us to a slot yeah. which doesn't clash with the televised games. That wouldn't be the mean. worst thing in the world, unless it was like a Monday night or something. <laughs> yeah, that would uh... be good. Yeah, no, but, it's all right actually. You know what, Che? You're convincing me. You're starting to talk yeah. me around here. Well, it's a it's grand a big occasion. Than... Yeah, it's, it's huge a big away occasion. following. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's a more winnable game than mm. the big guys. I'm not, I'm not saying it is a winnable game because you know they're a team in the championship who are doing well. They've got some good players, but you know it's a it's slightly more winnable. It's a nice ground. It's not too far away. It's going to be a cracking away day for everyone. It's going to be the movable object versus the what's the whatever it is the, the irresistible it's, force it's, versus the immovable object. Yeah, that's it. It's 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 going to be it's going to be the first one BT pick. I, I'm sure it's going to be <laughs> Clash of the Titans. Yeah, it's the thriller. The, the thriller near the villa. Oh, <laughs> that's not going to be there. Sorry. They're not going to be happy about that at all. <laughs> um, but anyway, after this, Mark has an interview with Wrexham fan Danny Bronson. 
I'm Luke Young, and this is Dragonheart. Well, Danny, uh, welcome to Dragonheart, firstly. I mean, I'm delighted to be trying to catch up with you when you came over to watch Wrexham play. Yep. Uh, it's brilliant to do so now because there are so many angles I want to explore with you. It's a, it's a remarkable thing that's happening to Wrexham Football Club at the moment. But firstly, I mean, you've come over from Canada to watch us play. You're, you're supporting us from across the Atlantic. Um, just, to, just firstly, I mean, what is your sort of, if you will, sporting background before this? You know, what, what sort of sports were you interested in and why did Wrexham grab you? So um, I come from a sporting family for sure. Me probably being the least athletic out of the bunch. Um, but uh, just all around, I've played a bit of everything, basketball, tennis, baseball, football, um, not American football, um, but uh, generally just a little bit of everywhere. Now, both my sisters, though, were incredible uh, football uh, players. Um, my younger sister um, was exceptional. She ended up uh, late in her career taking a concussion. She was out in a dark room for about six months after that. She never really played after that, and it's unfortunate because I think she'd be playing for Canada's side if she were still playing. She was that good, um, and uh, so I grew up watching a lot of women's football, and uh, so I also grew up watching a lot of the women's Canada side. So um, watching their World Cup runs, watching their Olympic runs, that was always just as exciting as anything for me. So that was the football that I watched more than anything. Um, from a perspective of English football, the only thing I ever really watched was David Beckham back in the day for Manchester. Um, he was the uh, the boy that my sisters both were in love with. Um, and so that was kind of the, the football we knew and Wayne Rooney and just some of the older boys there. But uh, never really had that same attachment to a club until I turned on Welcome to Wrexham. And then it was getting that... Uh, that um, perspective and seeing the players and getting to know who they are that attaches you to them and attaches you to the town and that's what gave me a real love for football again yeah. oh fantastic it, it does fascinate me as well I mean I'm going to be very sort of facile and simplistic now and say I watch Sunderland till I die it doesn't no, that's a bad comparison. I was going to say it doesn't make me sports Sunderland as well. I've got a team in football. But, you know, I watched the last dance. It didn't make me suddenly think, you know, I'm going to get into this. I yes. enjoyed it. It was brilliant. But it didn't yeah. make me commit. Um, so it it really fascinates me that, you know, that, that you've seen that. And it's really touched something in you that that makes you want to, to be attached to it. Yeah, I, I think it's it's done that for me and for a lot of people. And obviously it has. You see the worldwide recognition it's getting. Um, and it's funny because we've got TFC here. I work for uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, so we own the uh, Toronto Argonauts, the uh, Canadian football team, um, which is different from American football. And then we've got the Toronto FC, um, who are the Reds as well. Um, but even working for them, I don't have that same attachment. And we won a championship in 2017. I wasn't working for them at the time. But... Um, the, again, it's just I don't I don't know what it is. Um, I again I think it's just being able to see into the lives of these people, um, and also to the people of the town and what it means to the town, and also as a lifelong Leafs fan, um, where we have just been on the constant downslide for the past twenty years. We can't get a championship. There's only one thing to go for. There's no up and down with hockey, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, so it's just you win or you don't. Um, 
So as lovable losers, it's easy to uh, to jump in bed with Wrexham for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, we're, we're lovable losers, all right? Or we have been. It's all starting to feel a bit different now. Uh, yep. you know, honestly, this is the first season where I've started with that sense of expectation, like a Man City fan must feel, rather than hope or fear. You know? Yes. I just think we'll, we'll, we'll win the league this year. I'm confident of it. Um, I've never, ever felt that. And I've been watching them since the 1970s, so you can see by how ancient I am. <laughs> but, uh, man, it's... um, I, I think as well, I, I, I put this to you. I think something that Welcome to Wrexham did really well was... I think it, it expressed what people were like and left you to make your own decisions. I think a lot of these reality sh- sports shows... They try to fashion the narrative a little bit more. So, okay, I mean, Rob McElhenney says that watching Sunderland Till I Die on Netflix made an impact on him. Mm-hmm. But I think it did play a little bit on that sort of mawkish, oh, we support a team in decline and we're all depressed. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, Sunderland at that time were a bit of a figure of fun amongst British football fans. They shouldn't have dropped as well as they did. And mm-hmm. then by showing the chief executive uh, and other people on the board seeming to be fairly incompetent and messing up transfer deals. Yeah, It sort of imposed a narrative. Whereas for me, it, being at the club, Welcome to Wrexham actually feels authentic. It feels like what I experienced. And I wonder if that's what made it strike a nerve for you, that things like the Hooligan episode, for example, that, yes. that they, they didn't... <laughs> Hooligans are bad. But yep. they they just painted it as this is what it is. Make your own mind up. Which at first I wasn't sure about, but I quite I liked it as I as I watched more of it. I think that's quite it's it's a, you know it's not patronizing the audience. It's letting you decide what you think. That's it exactly. And everybody's going to have a different take on it. Some people like hooligans. Like there there's an aspect. Of, again, coming from a hockey background, I miss the days of fighting. <laughs> it's very it's very much gone within the sport um, as it's become more of like an entertainment venture and where they want more and more families but the hits and the action that's that's a time gone by for me that's what i grew up on was that heavy hitting sport um so yes there's a it's a more graceful game now in a speed but it, it's kind of almost made it more boring to me to an aspect like, there are things that happen in the game where you go he would never get away with that in the old days yeah. um and it's just it's uh, so, so there are aspects of everything. There, there's always something um, to like or not like. But it, yes, they're not they're not commentating upon it. Yeah. Um, what I have really liked is seeing the Welsh culture come through. Mm-hmm. Seeing Rob trying to learn Welsh um, and really embracing that aspect because even um, you don't you don't understand the uh, the position that the Welsh have been in in comparison to the English just being across the pond like this. You kind of put them together as one big family, yeah. um, and just even now that I, I on Twitter I have more and more Welsh people. Yeah, you just notice the difference and you see um, the uh, the differences um, and the the different cultures there. And just it, just it, so many different aspects about it. Just, just having that one episode that was purely about Welsh culture was great. Um, some people are like, oh, I skipped over that. It's like, but it's so important because it just, again, it's not just about the club itself. It's about the people, and I think that's what Rob was going for. It's a, it's like a Philadelphia. It's it, it's hardworking people um, that live and breathe for their club, mm-hmm. um, and they are as much a part of the club as the club itself. And I think that again, that attaches you uh, as. I've cried over losses for my teams as well. So I share that 
um, and won the Raptors for our basketball team, won the championship in 2019. To overcome so much, you're one Canadian market in an entirely U.S. Uh, system. It's so hard to overcome that you know, in terms of the respect that we don't get um, in how we're treated by the media um, and how we're basically a lucky team or there's always an excuse for why we do this or that. Um, so it, it's uh, there's definitely a lot of attachment that uh, runs through that. There's a very clear similarity as well, isn't it? I was just thinking um, earlier on before the Wales-England game, uh, the, the presenter talked about England's group and I was immediately shouting at the telly, England and Wales' group, because you know, yes. the BBC is catering for Britain. Uh, mm-hmm. He did correct himself, to be fair. But you know, there's that sense with us, a similar, like like, like you say, that often Canadian sports teams like in the NLS are in the American system, aren't they? And And so you have that sense of almost being the outsider, which I think that's always been quite a selling point for Wrexham, because really... Wrexham Football Club are a team that through its history is yo-yoed between what are now the League One and League Two, really. Um, there's plenty of other teams who've done that or tended to do a bit better. But the Welshness makes us stand out a bit, Make, makes the games more feisty sometimes, you know, because some games, you know, it's Wales against England in the minds of the fans and sometimes the players. But it's just it's just a little bit different, you know. So, yeah, that, that sort of outsider feeling is an attractive one, I think, isn't it? Absolutely. It's the, uh, no, no, go ahead. No, 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 go on, go on. Yeah, no, it's just, it's again, it's it, there's so many things to draw, and it just, it was funny how quickly I became attached. And I just put it on the one night, I just, it, I happened to get lucky, and the first two episodes had come out. Um, and in Canada, we didn't, we weren't getting it uh, like everywhere else, we weren't getting it on a Disney Plus, mm-hmm. so it was only airing on TV, so I was finding it through streams. Um, only to find out later that uh, my home in Peterborough, where my family is, they have the channel that it was on, so I was able to record it there and at least watch it when I was back there. Um, but just happening upon it and immediately falling in love with it and going, I, ne- I need to keep following this. Uh, and then I couldn't watch any or I couldn't listen to any of the games through watching the season because I didn't want to get it spoiled for me. Yeah. And even, even that first couple episodes, your heart breaks watching uh the red card happen and then yeah. realizing that most of the team is gone and that's that's the end of the line and it's just mm-hmm. that's a way of life especially in the system that you're in um and it's so unfortunate because you know how much these people care for their club um yeah. i mean i've got to say that that you, you're spot on and i thought those opening episodes were, were fantastic they, they were they were filming pretty much the whole of that season and i don't know whether the original plan was to have a the first TV season would be that football season or not? I don't know, um, but I think it worked that they didn't do that. Uh, but it still managed to hit the right targets. The guy who got sent off, they successfully painted him for what he was, which was the most lovely bloke and the mm. most wholehearted guy. And you know, the reason he goes in and makes a wild tackle is because he's genuinely committed to the club, and the season's dissolving, and he just wants to do something. He sees the ball and thinks I can get there, and doesn't. But, you know, you can forgive him for that rather than getting sent off for something petulant and to show him in the changing room breaking his heart. Oh, my word. I mean, it was so authentic to what the bloke's like. He's a lovely bloke, you know, um, who, until he signed for Wrexham, was playing part-time, in, in, often in the same league as Wrexham, but there have always been some part-time teams at this fifth level, fewer now than they used to be, while also working in a local um, DIY superstore. 
Oh, wow. You know, and he's, I, I, he just think, isn't that remarkable that, you know, he's just so committed to football. And yeah, we get the image of highly paid sports stars and a lot of them are, but it's a Not different everybody. matter. That, you know, that was his first full-time football job with us, you know. Wow. Um, the Welsh chat episode went down well with us. Um, and I bet you'll recognise this. I watch it enough American TV to know how they can portray Canadians. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I just sort of, you know, if you imagine if if something, I don't know, something was made about the Raptors or whatever by an American channel, and they decided to do a welcome to Canadian culture, you'd be dreading beforehand. Absolutely. You know, Mounties and maple syrup and yep. people saying a boot a lot. Yep. Um, but so we wondered about that. But to be fair, uh, they avoided because there are many cliches about the Welsh and are they they avoided them or if they did go towards them, they did it in the sensible way because stereotypes tend to be based in truth. Um, of course. We were really happy about that. I think it, it really sell, sold us as a nation. It was good. Oh, that's nice to hear. Because that's it. You wonder how it appears back to you guys as well. Obviously, you're the people yeah. um, that it's about. So it'd be it's interesting to see your take on it, yeah. watching it back. A, a lot of people beforehand um, were quite negative. Now, some of it in Wrexham, some of that was misguided. Because let's be honest, Rob and Ryan are making the show to benefit the club. Um, mm-hmm. But you got some quite peculiar comments. My favourite one, I would say not from Wrexham fans, just from people in Wrexham. The main thing I'd always be asked, and I had a sort of 10-minute speech that answered it, poor people who asked me, was, why Wrexham? And so i talked them through it, and then they'd understand. But the other one that people would say is, oh, and, I, and right, hold on to your sides, because you're not going to believe this. People would say, they were only buying the club so they can make a TV show. It's like, well... Ryan Reynolds doesn't have to make television shows, really, does he? You know what I mean? No. And Rob McElhenney, who's not very well known in Britain, but I love yep. Always Sunny. My family absolutely adore Always Sunny. Um, you know, I mean, that guy is, you know, the, created the longest-running live-action sitcom in North America. I mean, that's... Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, it's ludicrous that, ooh, they want to make a documentary about Wrexham. I mean, it's a very expensive way to make a documentary by buying a football team. Absolutely, um, with a lot of downside if it goes south yeah. on them too. But the 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 fans, I don't think they'd really see it that way. That it was more an uninformed, you know, mm-hmm. people who didn't know the situation. But I think you know, I I, I did an Ask Wrexham podcast earlier, and, and it was a really good question about how do Wrexham people see the new fans. And there's always going to be some dissenters, but they're a tiny minority because this, these are, these are the great times. This is mm-hmm. fantastic. No, yeah. Do you worry as you go up? Because I, for the Leafs now that well, we're perennial, well, we're middle of the pack, but everybody loves the Leafs. We've got a lot of suits in our audience, so it takes away from that, um, that everyman fan that you have. Because in your stadium, uh, tickets are twenty pounds, yeah. and no matter where you sit, it's affordable. Anybody's able to go. Um, whereas you come to a Leafs game, and you'd be looking at over a hundred pounds a ticket for a bad seat, mm. um, let alone double that to get anywhere good. Yeah. Um, and so the atmosphere, do you worry that as the club reaches new heights, possibly going up leagues, um, ideally making it to champions or premier one day that, that, um, that environment will change because of uh, the need to, in order to bring in more money. That's a superb question. Um, just one second. Cause Laszlo, yeah. Wants to leave. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Laszlo, you monster. It's the door's open, man. 
<laughs> Sorry. Um, no problem. It's a great question, that. And the, the honest truth is that, I mean, we know where they're coming from, so that's a positive. You know, like I said, Rob McElhenney talking about associating, as you said, with the working class of Philadelphia mm. makes you feel secure about this. Having said that, they have got to monetize the ground. Um, mm -hmm. Now, clearly, we are punching massively above our weight in terms of sponsorship. You know, the fifth division team, TikTok, and Expedia yeah. on, case. Yeah, I mean, on the shirt. It's yeah, I mean, that's just yeah. ludicrous. Um, and the figures I've heard about the value of those sponsor deals, which I don't know for sure, so I'm not going to repeat them. But if they are accurate, they are amazing compared to what we used to be getting. Mm -hmm. But you still want to monetize the the, the match going public, don't you? Now, mm -hmm. I suspect the first phase of that will be that there'll be executive boxes in the comp, mm -hmm. so they'll have expensive package deals for people. That means in three of the stands, because there's a there are any boxes in the in the Macron stand? There are sort of sort of not boxes, but there's a, you can have some food and then go up and sit by where I sit in the Wrexham Lager stand as, as well. Nice cozy seats. So, <laughs> okay, they can do. I, I don't get a cozy seat. Don't worry. Of course. <laughs> um, but I think they'll look to do that. I mean, if we're really going to get super optimistic and talk about us getting to the heights you're talking about, yeah, the main revenue stream for clubs at that level is TV money. And oh. So, you know, it might be that that they might be able to not have such pressure on the ticket prices. Um, and frankly, I don't know how much further they'd want to go. You know, if they're going to raise the capacity to 15,500, I mm -hmm. don't know. Will that sell out? Probably at the moment it will. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not much room around the ground to develop, really. We'd have to buy land off the university next door. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe uh, they'd be happy with that. I mean, it's unusual, but Bournemouth are in the top division now and have been for, you know, well, they've got relegated, came back up, but they've been up in the top division about five years in total. Um, their ground's got a smaller capacity than, it's got 12,000 capacity. So, okay. you know, I mean, they're small fry. Um, mm. and, and it's really quite startling. They've done well going up, um, but they've done it. So it might be the TV money and things like that could sustain us a little bit. Um, it's, it is a great question. Also, Liverpool. Liverpool are a fascinating model in terms of ownership because obviously they're owned by the Fenway Sports Group. So, <laughs> yeah, they have a, a little bit of money there. Well, yeah, and but they've made they've made some really shrewd moves and they've made some major missteps as well. Um, but they are smart enough to say the right thing and to be fair, maybe do the right thing when they make those mistakes. They tend to step back if the fans aren't happy. And one of the classic ones, they built this enormous stand at Anfield. It's really spectacular. And um, they basically said that they'd um, at first they're just going to raise the prices. And the Liverpool fans went mad. And at first, the club are holding firm, saying, well, you know, if you want us to buy people like Mbappe, we've got to be bringing more money in. But the fans were not happy. So now they had a scheme where they didn't raise the prices massively for the new stand. And they always guarantee so many reduced tickets for people in the same postcode as the ground. Oh, okay. There's always an allocation of that set aside, and the tickets are much cheaper. Because Anfield's a fairly deprived area of local, really. Uh, oh. So... You know, that, you know, we could look at things like that, I guess, couldn't we, in the future? But uh, it is an interesting question, that. Because that's it. You don't want to. You don't want to lose that energy and that atmosphere. It's yeah. because it just 
uh, you you end up getting that with any amount of success you end up bringing in just bandwagon fans that are there for a day and yeah. not fully invested in the club and i see it all the time at the arena and it's in these key moments where you need that energy it's not quite what it could be and i, I think that takes something away from the team a, a, a club that I, I feel has done it quite badly is manchester united <laughs> um, which, which genuinely, to me, I, I've I've always had a bit of antipathy towards Man United. I've been one so you know full disclosure. <laughs> but having said that, I I do go there occasionally, and it does feel a bit like a a sort of tourist experience sometimes more <laughs> than a uh, a football match. Um, my son and I went to a game about ten years ago against the Spanish team, Athletic Bilbao, who were managed by Bielsa, the guy who was sacked by Leeds, um, who has a very fascinating and extreme approach to management and we desperately thought while they draw Man United in Europe we chance to see them in the flesh because it's a fascinating way that he always gets his teams to play it's incredible high energy aggression it's brilliant and so we went there and I was saying to my son right keep your mouth shut though we are going to be in the Man United stand mm-hmm. you know don't, don't you know just just watch the game just watch the game and enjoy it don't start shouting for athletic because mm-hmm. you know you're going to get thumped Absolutely. Um, and it was, it couldn't have been further from that. We were completely surrounded by tourists who seemed to be spending more time taking photos of the stands than actually the, the game. Yeah. And it all played into the famous Man United captain, Roy Keane, who complained when he was playing about the lack of atmosphere because there were so many corporate fans. Um, mm-hmm. He called them the pro- famous, famous quote in, in British football. He called them the prawn sandwich brigade. <laughs> all they want to come is do is come and, and eat pro. Well, I don't know why he thinks prawn sandwiches are posh, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we need to avoid that. But I, I can't, I can't help feeling that Rob and Ryan have bought into what the opposite of that. So I'm hoping they'll be aware and avoid it. But it's a great question. It's a great issue, isn't it, to to think about? And again, it's a, it's an, an ideal scenario where you move up rather quickly as well, and. Uh... Because who knows how long the the TV series will last as well, right? Yeah. Ideally, it lasts a while, but it depends. You know, like anything, you can get waning interest. It's hard when you're across the pond, um, and not everybody will stay attached. Mm. But uh, it's uh, it's questions that are ideally hopeful for the future. Exactly, exactly. That and that is also a key question of of where it goes in the future. Um, and how many fans we can retain? Because I could, I would totally understand that people quite enjoy following Wrexham a bit, but you know, don't really fully commit to it or do it for a little while and then maybe lose a little bit of interest. Because if you sell something as an entertainment, there's a possibility you'll move on to a different form of entertainment. And I, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. So it's key, I think, that we move up quickly and keep hooking people in. I think you're you're exactly right. The, the National League is the nightmare league to get out of with only one automatic way, point place going up. Yes. The, the trust, when they ran the team, even though you know they were working within a tight budget, genuinely felt that if they could get up, that they would be going up to divisions themselves on their budgets. Because mm-hmm. once that TV money starts coming in, because the Premier League money uh, filters down to an extent to the Football League, plus the Football League, I mean, the Championship is something like the eighth biggest financial league in the world, even though it's the second level. There's a mm-hmm. lot of money in their TV deal, and there's a lot of money, for example, Wrexham Player. That's a football league platform, and once you go up, that really becomes monetized. 
Oh, okay. Um, well, a part of it is that they automatically get streaming on that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, you know, so so the, the, the trust felt, even though they were committed to living within their means, felt we'd jump up the divisions, at least to League One, in the next few years under them. Mm-hmm. So with money behind us as well, yeah. you ought to be optimistic, I think. This is a difficult one to get out of. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it's so difficult. Like yeah, just looking at it, like if you miss that first place, hmm. you have to play how many more games to try and just get a second place? And yeah, yeah. oh, it's horrible. And it's another year of that. And there is, uh, I'm sure you've heard the famous 2012-13 season for Wrexham, when we were amazing and we got 98 points, but came second. Uh, that's 98 points is the most points any team in the history of British football has managed without being promoted. And the reason for that, I mean, that was heartbreaking, that was. It was a phenomenal team. Uh, but the problem was that Fleetwood Town were a tiny club that had a rich guy come in and put money into them. And they brought in Jamie Vardy, the England international who plays for Leicester, who, for a number of reasons, high-up clubs weren't touching. So he had a lot of ability, ludicrous ability, but the higher-up teams didn't want to take a gamble on him. There were a number of different reasons for that. So he came to Fleetwood at a level way below his ability, and it was just, you know, it was like having an England international playing for them. (laughs) And so it was heartbreaking. You know, we got all those points, came second, and then blew it in the playoffs. Oh, (laughs) And it's, it's, yeah, it's that one slip-up that kills you, and it's... yeah. The classic uh, slip-up was the season after because we had another good season. I uh, came fourth and got to Wembley to the playoff final, and it was a dreadful game against Newport County. Absolutely awful. Uh, it just felt like nil-nil. And then about halfway through the second half, a Wrexham player was presented with a virtual open goal and put it over the bar. And it was oh. such a chance. And then we let two goals in right at the end of the game. Oh, and it was heartbreaking. I remember going into the, the mixed zone for the media, uh, you know, to get interviews. And I just stood there. And so all those players just looking traumatized because their season had just gone like that. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? I haven't got any appetite to talk to them either. Why put them through it? It was horrible seeing it. Was, there's a, there is a good, good interview with a player who missed the chance, actually, who really took it badly. And also our star player who started crying while he was being interviewed. Um, so there's a lot of other stuff. That would have been a good series, but a very depressing one because we got worse yeah. after that. <laughs> you wouldn't have kept many fans. <laughs> so you but came it, over anyway. You came yeah. over. How, how did that go for you? So it was interesting. I, I had been wanting to travel for a while. I haven't traveled in a long time. Um, the last time I went to Europe was probably 12 years ago. So it's been a long time. Um, and I was in France then. Um, and so COVID had happened um, and I'd just been doing nothing this entire time. And I'd just been thinking the past little while, I want to go somewhere, I want to go somewhere. And I'm an actor myself. So my options were, I wanted to go check out Los Angeles just to see it. Um, or for basically the same price, I could go to Europe and I could go to London. Um, it's weird how that works coming out of Canada with flight prices. Yeah. But those that was essentially what happened. I thought likely for about the same price, I'm going to get to see a lot more of London than I would of LA. Um, and so I decided on October 1st, I was going to go and I bought a ticket for October 19th. And, um, but once I had decided that I went, well, I have to be able to go to Wales. I've got to get up to Wrexham and see the race course. I've seen it now. I like when I'm that close, I'm not going to miss out. 
Um, and so I, I realized I would also be able to go to Boreham Wood for the, the away game as well. I'm like, of course, I'll, if I can see two games, great. But I knew that Wrexham was the goal. Um, but just to, to trying to pack as much as I did in, it being my first time in the UK, um, I had seven days there. And it was just a whirlwind. I was just constantly going to anything you can think of. That's a tourist spot. I was there doing that. Um, and then so I spent basically a day on a train because it, just everything was so expensive. So I had to go um, up to Birmingham to then get up to uh, Wrexham. I was in Wrexham for about an hour. I went to uh, the shop, picked up my ticket for the game, and then uh, grabbed my shirt, grabbed my scarf. Uh, grabbed a flag and then headed off. Uh, I went to Liverpool for the evening because I was that close to Liverpool. I was in Liverpool for 14 hours, did the Beatles tour, um, did the Beatles experience. Uh, and that was about all I did there. I uh, did a little bit of walking around and then came back the next day to Wrexham, watched the match, uh, was at the turf for the day. Um, and then I was gone the next day. So it was very quick in and out. And uh, oh, in the morning, I ran to uh, Wrexham Lager <laughs> um, to the to the actual brewery, not yeah. knowing there was a different spot for it, because I wanted to try Wrexham Lager before I left. Yeah. So I ran there, got to the brewery in the morning. Um, I had about an hour before I had to leave again to go back down to London, um, and just to check it out. And so they actually they opened the uh, the tap that they only open on Fridays. They opened it for me, so I was able to have a pint because they wouldn't have let me otherwise. Had a pint. The uh, the whoever was there drove me back to the hotel. Oh, with about 10 minutes to spare before my train got on and left. But uh, just to, um, the people of Wrexham were so wonderful. I did not meet anybody um, to the degree that I did in Wrexham. Now, that was also having started on Twitter. I had begun talking about that I would be coming. So I started to build a bit of uh, a base of people that would know that I would be there. Um, so it... Uh, but it was neat. It was uh, it was uh, it was having something uh, in common and something to talk about made it very easy. When I went to Boreham Wood, I went to the bar before the match and uh, was able just to talk to random people about the match. And obviously, they they were interested. A Canadian had come over. Um, there were a few uh, people from the U.S. over at the time as well. Um, but just getting to share in that atmosphere and that uh, experience, and it was so different, obviously, going to Boreham Wood and that small little stand. That's where I first saw you. You were up yes. in that little area. <laughs> um, and uh, it's such a small stand. The ball goes out over the top. like yeah. It's, yeah. And then you go to the race course. And it's it was very much like uh, when Ron and Ryan stepped foot on it. And you just go like, wow, this yeah. is – you're here. This is – you're part of it. Um I, my only regret is I wish I had a stud in the uh, the end behind the goal. I obviously wanted a good view of everything, so I, I picked my spot, um, and I was about the 18-yard box, so I was able to see the se- all the second-half goals almost perfectly. Um, but I would have liked to – there seems to be even more atmosphere in that end behind the yeah. net yeah. Um, than anywhere. So that would have been a bit more exciting to be a part of. Um, and unfortunately, a couple, uh, somebody had passed away uh, just prior to that, and we did a minute of silence. And then that night, another person had passed away after that, and that was uh, sad. Um, and again, it just said those that energy and the community there. Um, so my time was very short uh, in Wrexham, unfortunately, um, but uh, it was well spent. Uh, just to, just being able to be at the turf and to see everybody. Um, I met the uh, oh uh, the lead singer, the Declan Swans. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just briefly, I. Uh, 
So just uh, getting to talk to people, uh, after the match, I waited around and I was able to uh, meet some of the players um, at both Boreham Wood and then again at uh, Wrexham, which you would never be able to do here yeah. because they, they walk out, they just walk off the pitch yeah. and out to the bus in Boreham Wood's case, or they walk off the pitch mm-hmm. and out near the shop door and it's just right to their cars. And so it's something that you don't get to experience in our sports world where you can actively chat to a player after the match and talk to them and uh so i got to talk to paul mullen a couple times which was great and uh tozer and uh, a number of different players um i met i i can't remember right now i've got a picture but i i met one of the players wise and we were just chatting um after the match until they came over and just um just kind of that uh again just drawing me more and more into the team and who the people are and then even I met Rob McElhaney because he was there at the time very briefly after the match as well. He was driving his family out to the airport uh, in London right after. So I saw him for about 10 seconds. But uh, Brilliant. Just, just so many things happened in that short amount of time. Mm. Um, but I, I, I will get back. I don't know when that'll be. It was yeah. a very expensive trip. But more than anything, I would love to get back and see more matches. It's, and ideally, it'll be when we're up a league. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'll have to catch up with you then, won't I? Absolutely. Like a plan. Excellent. The um, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I'm so glad you enjoyed it, and I'm so glad that Wrexham showed you what it's got. Um, it's authentic town. I think it's fair to say. Absolutely. But, um, that is super. Can I just say, Danny? Thank you so much for joining us because absolutely fascinating insight into into all those aspects i i wanted to sort of probe around so thank you so much well thank you for having me it's uh it's been a pleasure and like i say i i love i love listening to you it's one of my favorite parts it's um obviously not having the tv is terrible because i'd love to be able to watch whenever we get the fa cup on it's great so selfishly i'm enjoying them having this fa cup run so i can watch them yeah. It's unfortunate that we lose a player like Davis after the last match for three months. Yeah. Uh, but it's the only time I get to watch. Um, yeah, but uh, listening to you, it's just, it's it, it's like getting a real fan perspective within it as well, too. It's great. It's I, I get so tired. I, I turn off, uh, if I'm watching a game, I turn off the game at halftime or whatever it is. Because it's just, it's not worth listening to. A lot of it has gone to... The sport yeah. betting and everything, and it's yeah. it's just as enjoyable listening to you talking about whatever you're eating that, <laughs> that day. It's it, or but just or talking about what somebody's asked a question about uh, yeah. on Ask Rexham. Um, but just you know, there was the day that uh, I woke up late for a match. Um, it was at halftime, and it was already three one for Rexham, mm-hmm. and we ended up winning seven five. It was. And so I thought I'd missed the match, and it, there were three three goals in five minutes and four and eleven, I believe. Yeah. And yeah. just the, the excitement, I had that on my uh, my Bose sound speaker at the house in Peterborough, and so the whole family was listening to it, and so it was just yeah, wild listening to those celebrations, and it's uh, it's just it's so fun to have that atmosphere back, you know, just uh, listening and waiting and hoping, and it's, and hearing you guys uh, paint the picture. Oh, thank you. Well, really appreciate that. And and thanks for joining us because honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure having a chat to you. It really has. Hi guys, I'm Dominic Vose and uh, this is Dragonheart.